But I think it's good for our guys to win. The guys that have been here for three and four years have not had a lot of success and they need it. But the one thing that you never want to get is where winning doesn't bother you, okay? It bothers me, all right? I can't sleep at night, all right? And I probably make everybody in our building miserable because of it. Uh, I know I do at home, uh, but we got to get we got to get our players to where uh, that's the way they are, and I think we've got a lot of them in our program that are that way. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WBIR 10 Sports Podcast. I'm Patrick Murray with David Shealy. Tennessee beats Chattanooga 45 to nothing, earning the Vols their first win of the season. They're now one and two. It happened like it was supposed to happen. Tennessee came into the game 7-0 since 2010 against FCS teams, winning those games by an average margin of 43 points. Won this one by 45. It happened like it was supposed to happen, but the previous two games didn't happen like they were supposed to happen. So it meant a little more for Tennessee to get this win and do it like they were supposed to do it against Chattanooga. David, what were your biggest takeaways from that game? I have to say that I, the way Tennessee responded to the first two games, you could see all the frustration and all the hard work that they had put in all in this one game. I think seeing them finally get turnovers, and I mean, in a plenty. They had a plethora. They've got, they've had, they had uh, five turnovers, four of them interceptions, but that doesn't even include the stops on fourth down. You held them to zero of three in the red zone. Uh, so the defense was finally clicking. Jerry Garantano was clicking on offense. Special teams even made some contributions. Um, Samaglia is still perfect from field goals. So everything was just clicking from the top to the bottom, and it was total domination by the Vols. In Tennessee, got to play a lot of young players as well, shuffled some things on the offensive line, got both freshman quarterbacks into the game. And a lot of people coming into this week, maybe not a lot of people, but there were some people out there fans, maybe a, a couple media members that were saying, it's it's time to move on from Garantano, it's time to bring in the freshmen. Well, you got a chance to see the freshmen against Chattanooga, and I think you probably saw why Garantano is the quarterback. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that position is solidified. I mean, remember a couple weeks ago when uh, someone asked, well, who do you think is going to start for, for you guys when you guys play Georgia State? And the only thing Coach Pruitt said was, well, I know we got a starting quarterback. I mean, he's just that confident in Garantano. And he, he had that energy earlier in the week. He contained that energy uh, after the game. He said Garantano will be the quarterback until they decide that he's not the quarterback anymore. And the stats show why he is the quarterback. The guy threw one incompletion. He completed every single pass after his first one was basically a dropped interception, three touchdowns. He looked like he's supposed to look. Yeah, he wasn't perfect. A couple throws maybe could have been better, like the one you mentioned, the first one, but then finished 7 of 7, threw three touchdowns, and he said after the game that he was starting to feel like himself again, uh, feeling a little bit better, so he certainly played better, and that was good to see for Tennessee. Uh, Got some young guys in the game, like we mentioned, Jeremy Banks, a backup at middle linebacker, had two interceptions, so that was fun to see. Shuffled things on the offensive line. Jeremy Pruitt said that Jameer Johnson, who had been playing a lot at left tackle, was a little banged up. He didn't play. They had the freshman Wanye Morris at left tackle, Trey Smith at left guard, Brandon Kennedy at center, and then they had Darnell Wright, the other five-star freshman at right guard, and at right tackle, they had uh, K. Ron Calbert. 
So that was the main lineup that they went with when the, when the ones were in the game. They shuffled things around, got a lot of different guys in on the offensive line as well. But David, like you mentioned, the defense played well, forced five turnovers after only forcing one turnover in the first two games of the season. Yeah, they they came and, and balled out. And you could see how badly they wanted to get the ball. I mean, they were talking about, hey, it's all about the ball. we got to get the ball. And Pruitt had been saying, well, you got to hit and you got to do this. And uh, the quote earlier was, the goal of every play for the defense is to have the ball in your hand. And they pretty much did that. I saw Nigel Warrior uh, jump up, grab an interception. Jeremy Banks did it twice. Didn't even know he could climb the ladder like that. I mean, he got up there. Um, you know what's so funny, though, with all this performance – or with all the turnovers, they didn't get any sacks, but they didn't need them. Yeah, that's, that's true. It's kind of funny that the, the, the way they were playing so well, you think they would have got to the quarterback at least once, but they were getting it out pre- pretty quickly, and uh, Daryl Taylor did have the fumble recovery on, on the bad snap from Chattanooga. Yeah, and, and his his thing was, uh, we asked him, well, what would you see on that play? And he was like, I just saw the ball on the ground. <laughs> it just happened. It happened so quickly. But things like that, I mean, that's – it's those it's those freak plays that kind of were going against Tennessee for the first two games. I mean, the what was it? The second, third play of the entire season was that that fumble um, against Georgia State, and and then the same thing in the BYU game. You had you had some other um, you had some other fumbles, and you and then you had that poor interception to start the second half. And this time it was the total opposite. You get a blocked punt, you get a, a mishandled snap. You're getting interceptions. I mean, they were they were on fire. They got all the lucky bounces. And sometimes in football, that's all you need to get a blowout win like this. Tennessee finally starting to look a little bit more like Tennessee in that 45 nothing win over Chattanooga. But, again, it was Chattanooga, an FCS opponent, and now things are about to get real. The Vols go down to Gainesville on Saturday at noon to take on the Gators, who were ranked number 9 coming in to this previous weekend. And Florida went up to Lexington on Saturday night, took on Kentucky. They were trailing 21-10 to at one point in the fourth quarter. And late in the third quarter, Florida quarterback Felipe Franks got injured. At the time of this recording, we don't know the full extent of that injury, but it looked pretty serious. He it, he was scrambling around. It was a, a run play, and he got hit, kind of got bent back. His legs were under somebody and his his upper body got bent back. He was rolling around on the ground looking like he was in a lot of pain. He was carted off the field. Looked like he had tears in his eyes when he was carted off the field. The whole team was surrounding him. So it looked like a serious injury for Florida quarterback Felipe Franks. But then Kyle Trask, the backup, comes in, down 11, leads Florida back, takes the lead. He, he I believe he went 9-13, to had 126 yards, had a rushing touchdown. Kentucky had a chance to take the lead with 58 seconds left. Florida was up 22-21 and they missed a 35-yard field goal. So Florida and then Florida added a late touchdown there. So they survived 29-21. But the big story is we don't know for sure, but it looks like they'd probably be without Franks when the Vols come to town later this week. Yeah, from the last alert I got, uh, Coach Mullen believes that Franks possibly is out for the rest of the year with an ankle injury. Um, which is which is pretty upsetting because he's a talented guy. But, you know, when it comes to the SEC, I don't really believe in backup quarterbacks. It's more bullpen quarterbacks because a lot of these guys, they're starter-worthy. They're starter um, 
ask Alabama, you know, and they they went they went with a true freshman in the in the championship game, national championship game, and won the whole thing. And then the next year in the SEC championship game, they just reversed it and said, "Well, we're gonna put in we're gonna put in our other guy who just so happened to start for us last year." And and I mean, we're talking about Florida, a Florida team that we saw tonight still has talent at quarterback, even though. Their number one guy is is out, don't know how long yet, but like I said, they fear it's going to be the rest of the year. So Tennessee really doesn't have it much easier. Um, they also just haven't been winning in Gainesville, so there's that too. It's a tough atmosphere to play in. Yeah, Tennessee hasn't won in Gainesville since 2003. We don't have to tell Vols fans what it's been like the last couple trips down there to Gainesville, but uh, like you were talking about the, the bullpen quarterbacks in the SEC, and Dan Mullen was talking about it on Saturday night, is that this is kind of a rare situation nowadays in college football that Kyle Trask is a guy that lost the job to Felipe Franks not this year but in prior years and he stuck around he didn't go and transfer so he's a a guy you know that's been around the team he's not just a freshman getting thrown in there so Florida probably won't miss a beat and I'm sure there's some Gator fans out there that would probably rather have Trask that's you know that's the way it is in college football backup quarterback can be a popular guy but um, Florida certainly Tough defense. Uh, They came into this weekend with 15 sacks before that Kentucky game, which led the nation. So certainly something to be concerned about there. But ranked number nine, you see some of what they've done so far. Um, You know, having a tough time with Miami. They beat them 24-20, having a tough time with Kentucky. And you say, I don't don't really know if Florida looks quite like a top-10 team at this point. Yeah, you know, they're they're ranked number nine, but they don't really look like the ninth best team in the country. Now that could just be uh, the the opposing teams saying, "Hey, you know, you guys have a target on your back. We're the underdog. We're going to give you the best shot that we have." And that's part of being in the top ten. You get everybody's best shot. But when you look at some of the mistakes that Florida has made defensively, um, offensively, and in the passing game and the running game, you 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 look at them and you say, mm, "That's a big question mark." I don't know if they can really execute in this situation or that situation. But credit to them, they outscored. Kentucky 12 to nothing late in the game. Uh went for two twice, didn't get it, but it didn't matter. They they held on. Um I think it's going to be a tough matchup for the for the Vols. They will give everything they have, and I think the game will be much more competitive than probably it, it looks like on paper. Uh but Florida still has some question marks to me. I think there's still some things about them that I'm not too sure about. And some of that is just the decision-making from Coach Mullen. It's, it's kind of like, why are you doing this in this situation? You know, he went for two a couple times, like I said earlier, and they didn't get it. They ended up winning the game. But um, had they just kicked the extra point, they would have been up by three. So the worst thing Kentucky would have done in that field goal situation was tie. Had uh, Chance Poor made that kick... They would have uh, Kentucky would have won the game. So it, it's it's little things like that that say okay the Vols actually have a chance in this game. Yeah, certainly some question marks for the Gators. Uh, definitely a tall task for Tennessee going down to the swamp. Like we said, they haven't won down there since 2003. Uh, Florida maybe not quite as good as their ranking, but still certainly good enough to be favored over Tennessee down there in the swamp. It'll be a tough one. And then that kind of starts the gauntlet for the Vols going down the line. You get Florida, then you've got the bye week, which should help a little bit. And then Georgia, who will be another top 10, top 5 team coming in to uh, Knoxville. And then you get Mississippi State, 
who has looked good but lost uh, lost to uh, Kansas State this past weekend, and then of course Alabama. So now it really gets real heading into the gauntlet for the Vols these next few games. Yeah, this is going to be the toughest stretch right here, and this was the stretch that we've been concerned about since the schedule came out, and we said, okay, well, if Tennessee can go into SEC play undefeated, they may be set up for a good season. They're looking at one and two, which is not ideal, and as great as the win over Chattanooga is, one and two is not what you want when you've got Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, Alabama, and don't forget South Carolina, too, after that, because after playing Alabama, you're beat up anyway, but... uh. Yeah, that is. this is a very, very tough stretch. And it's not so much how tough the opponents are. It's going to be how healthy will your guys be after all these games. They're going to be sore. They're going to be beat up. SEC games are tough. The trenches are so important in the SEC because the SEC is known for having those big boys up front. And I think this is the time where Jeremy Pruitt has to stop trying to shuffle so many guys, find out his starting five up front, Keep them there, and if they are messing up, then okay, you you have to find a solution. But up until that point, you have to have your starting five, and they've got to be able to protect Garantano. When Garantano has time, he usually makes the right decision. We know we criticized his throws for the past couple of weeks, but um, it looks like he's he's kind of fixed that, um, at least against Chattanooga. But protect him, protect him, because those big boys are going to be coming after him. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see what Tennessee does on the offensive line. You would think this is the point where they'd say, all right, this is it. We're going to pick our five. We're going to stick with them going down into the swamp, taking on the Gators, especially against a tough defensive front that's going to bring a lot of different looks and blitzes at you like that. It'll be interesting to watch. David and I will be heading down to Gainesville on Friday. We'll have coverage for you on WBIR throughout the day on Friday and, of course, Saturday as well that game and all week long leading you up during Gator Hater Week here in Knoxville, Florida and Tennessee kicking off at noon on Saturday. Thank you everybody for listening and you can follow us all week long on Channel 10 and on WBIR.com. Have a great day.